couple days later, we will not have an in-person service here at the school. We're recording a, a service um, that we will then live stream for you uh, online um, at home. And we hope it's just a, a Sunday where you as a, you can just enjoy the service, but uh, from the comfort of your own home. But make sure to come back as we enter 2022. It's going to be a big year for our church as the building um, will be completed and we'll eventually um, make a, a move. And if it's okay, I wanted to uh, share. Actually, I, for, I was told I couldn't announce this. And uh, I want to do it in light of, I forgot to mention this card. So if you're new, fill out the info card. It's a way for us to connect you to the church. On the other side of that info card is a prayer request form. We'd love to pray for you. And if you're online, you can get on our website and uh, fill out both of these. But if you're new in particular, we've been seeing, and it's awesome, a lot of new uh, families over the last couple months uh, coming to our church. We recognize that it's, it's vital to get plugged in, and we know that it's challenging and hard. Um, next Sunday, I'm hosting at my house, I will not be cooking, um, a, a newcomer's dinner. And I was not supposed to announce this because um, there's already too many people. But I'm, I'm willing to blow it up. Who cares? Like, there's room in the house. You might have to, like, eat, you know, in one of my children's bedrooms. But that's fine. Like, I'll clean it up for you. Uh, but so I am breaking the rules. And I am announcing, look, if you are new, come to my house next week, 5 o'clock. You can sign up online, I think. Otherwise, just, just email me. And I'll apologize to the people who tell me um, what I'm supposed to say and not say later. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so for the, the building, I, you know, it's going to get here quick when we actually move in. And that's awesome and exciting. Uh, but I want, I want us to start thinking and praying. It was really cool because um, two weeks ago I had coffee with an attender. And um, I had shared at the Thanksgiving service just, it's, it's sort of, it is miraculous what God has done in this building project and how things have not um, been delayed, uh, all the supply chain issues that are going on, and God's just over and over blessed us. And I was like, I don't, I said at the Thanksgiving service, I don't really know why, but it's just this gift and this gift from God. And it was cool. I was out to coffee with an attender, and he said, I felt like God gave me a word after that Sunday, and I wanted to share with you. It, it's not that it, it's just a, a, a gift, like there's always purpose behind what God is doing. It's not that he just frivolously, you know, doesn't have, like, throws things out, uh, but that there's purpose. And, he, and this individual said, I believe that um, there is a purpose behind God providing so that we get in this building when we get in it. Like, it's not by accident that, it's, that we're getting into this building early uh, at this time. Like, there, there is purpose behind it. And I, I, like, I think I'd miss that if I'm honest. Like, I just thought, oh, God's being super cool to us. Um, and he is. But also, like, there's, there's, there's a reason. And there's, there's a purpose behind it. And I don't, I don't know what maybe that, ex I think we're going to find that out. But let's recognize that uh, there is purpose behind the, the grace and the gift that God has given us for this time and this moment as a church. And that brings me to, you know, this is such a unique opportunity for us as a church going into a new building and the opportunity to reach people. And it's not about filling all the seats, but when you fill all the seats, it's more hearts, it's more lives, it's more ears that hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose, one of the purposes that's been given to us as the church is to go make 
disciples, go reach people for Jesus Christ. And it's exciting to have a building, and it's going to be convenient, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be uh, comfortable and enjoyable and all these different things. But at the end of the day, God has given us this building um, as a tool, for, not for our comfort, um, not to make things easier for us, but to reach people for the kingdom of God. And um, quite frankly, people are just going to be more open to showing up because they're going to want to see it. And let's leverage that. So the sort of tagline I wanted to, to sort of present to you that I hope sticks in your mind is, everyone bring one. Let, like every single one of us, what if we began now to pray about who can I bring on grand opening Sunday? Who's someone I can in, in, invite? And maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's someone who um, has no faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's someone who you know had a faith and is struggling. Maybe it's someone who you know is looking for a church. Maybe it's someone who's new and just moved in. It doesn't matter. Pray, ask God, God, put on my heart who I can bring. In, that, in those first months, we have this opportunity um, to use the newness of the building to really, uh, I hope, reach people for Jesus Christ. And I, I, I believe, after hearing this word, um, that there's a, there's a reason for why we're going in when we're going in. And God has plans set before us. So just start to, I just throw that out there, everyone bring one. Um, start to just think about that and pray about that. And... Um, you know, part of the church must be that part of our culture is that we're a culture of invitation. You know, I, there's so many people hurting. And there's so many people that are lonely. And um, so many people that just need the hope of Jesus Christ. And they need a church. They need friends. They need a family. And that's part of, I mean, that's why we exist. So um, pray about that. Pray about who you can invite, and let's everyone bring one. With that, let me pray, and then we'll jump into our teaching. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. And Lord, we recognize that um, you, don't, like, you don't do things by accident. And sometimes, God, we just don't understand your plans. And even today in this message, God, we're going to talk about that. We don't always understand your timing. We don't always understand why you say wait or you say no. And that's hard. It's really hard. And God, I don't... I don't know why, sometimes we don't know why you say yes, and when, and like, why you said yes, when you said yes, and Lord, um, I recognize, like, it's so, you're, you've been so good to our church, and we thank you, uh, but Lord, there is purpose, we believe, behind the timing of all this, and we want to see that purpose lived out, we want to recognize, and I, I just pray, God, for the, the communities that we represent, Jesus, I pray for the lost, the hurting, and the broken, um, Jesus, Think about that time where you got up and you read the scroll of Isaiah and you said that I have come to fulfill these things, that I've come to, to, to meet the needs of the lost, hurting, and broken, to heal, to give hope to the oppressed. And that is the mission of God. It is the mission of the church. And, um, you know, it's easy, God, I think, for us to hide it, like in our, in our wealth and in our um, you know, what, what we have, it's easy to hide a lot of the things we're struggling with. 
because things look good on the surface. Um, and we're pretty good at, at, sh at only showing people that we're good. But um, so many people are hurting. And uh, so many people are lonely. And so many people are struggling. And uh, we want our church to be a church where people genuinely come face to face with you, Jesus. Because we believe uh, that you offer the best. That you offer hope. So, um, yeah, Lord, continue to reveal to us the timing of your plans and help us to be obedient and living out your calling for us as a church. As we look into your word, God, um, work in our hearts and our minds, our souls, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so last week we started the series that we're in uh, this Christmas called The Things He Has Done. And what we're looking at is we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, and we're looking at how um, Luke really presents some amazing stories of how the people at the time were living in a time of fulfillment. There had been all this prophetic, uh, prophetic messaging and, and about this Messiah that would come. And we get to this story of Christ's birth. And it's like we are now living um, in the culmination of of all these prophecies, like we're seeing it actually uh, come alive. And last week we were, was really kind of introductory where we looked at the, the first four verses of Luke and, and we see that Luke is writing this letter. He's sort of next generation. So he's, he's, he's not one of the eyewitnesses, but he recognizes that the story of Jesus like has to be preserved. And it's vital that... Um, Putting down on paper the story of Jesus is, is going to help do just that, preserve the, the word, preserve the story of God. And he's writing to this guy named Theopolis. And uh, last week we talked about Theopolis and, and it's the likelihood that he is, um, you know, a, a relatively new convert and struggling with some doubt. And Luke just flat out says, like, I want you to be certain about this. And I've done the hard work of researching, talking to, you know, to eyewitnesses, and you can be assured that what I'm sharing happened. And so he sort of like, he sets the expectation, he sets the bar pretty high to Theopolis. Like, I know you had doubts in your life, which we all struggle with doubts at times in our life. And imagine struggling with doubt, and then you get this letter, and it's like, you can be certain and, uh, and then you're like, okay. And I would have to imagine that where Luke starts this, this, uh, this gospel, like, is a big deal. It's like, you know, the beginning to a book or the beginning to a movie, any book or any movie, like, is really important in storytelling. Like, if you don't capture, and, and, and like in preaching too, they say if you don't capture your audience like in 10 seconds, they're gone. So maybe half of you are gone right now and not listening to me. <laughs> you know, but the beginnings are really important whether in, in storytelling. And, I, you know, have you ever read a book where you start it and it's just, you're not, like it's not capturing your imagination. And you just, eh, I don't want to watch that. Or you start a movie and you're giving it time and then just the beginning of the movie like doesn't capture your attention or your imagination. I'm not going to finish. Like, I feel like, whoa, like Luke has sort of set this bar really high. Like, Theopolis, look, you can be certain of all this, 
Theophilus is like, okay. So like, what, where does he go? Like, he starts with this story of this man named Zechariah. And it's a compelling story that I want to look at today, and I can't read the whole text to you, but um, let me give you some background. Zechariah is a, is a priest, and he's married to um, this woman named Elizabeth, and the text tells us, we'll see, that they're older, uh, they're older in age. I don't know exactly how old they are, but they're, they're definitely beyond the, the years of sort of childbearing because they've wanted to have a child, they've prayed about having a child, and yet they've, they've not been able to have a child. So they're, they're childless. But Zechariah is a, is a priest. He, he works in the, the temple. And his wife, like Elizabeth, she comes from a, a, a line of priests as well. She actually comes from the line of Aaron, the, the very first high priest. This is the Aaron that, you know, first high priest. He, this is the Aaron who, whose feet stepped on the sand when God divided the Red Sea. This is the Aaron who ate uh, manna. This is the Aaron who went into the Holy of Holies. I mean, we're talking, uh, like, this is no small sort of lineage that Elizabeth comes from, and Zechariah comes from this very strong priestly lineage. Like, we're kind of talking about a superhero, like, big deal kind of power couple, when it comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth, like you would, you would make assumptions like, "Wow, they're very religious." Um, I think it'd be safe to assume that that like the story of the stories of God's faithfulness through the generations has like made its way to them because of the family unit and the the, the where they've come from. And so I think like you look at them, and if they were here, you'd you'd be like maybe like in some awe and reverence over this couple um, because, you know, like we might look at them as being really religious and therefore really close to God and they have it all together and they probably don't doubt because they have all these stories of like how, what God has done. They have family members who have stories of all these things that God has done. And maybe we, we step back and we just look at them and we go, wow, you must be really close to God. I could never be like that. You must never doubt. Like, you're probably like the first one into heaven. You probably have like a special chair in heaven. You know, and we do this with, with people. And yet, um, we see in the story, and I think if we go back to that question, why does Luke start with this story? Because I do think that's a really important question, is we see that like, as much as we think they might be like, like Zechariah is this really powerful uh, Christian who, well, you know, Jewish man at the time, who never uh, probably doubts, like, it, we see that that's actually not the case. So, um, let me read for you Luke 11, 1, 11 through 25. And it's a really long story, and you should read it, the whole thing, but I, I won't have time to read it all. Um, so, Zechariah is a priest, and he uh, is given the opportunity to go and, and, like, stir the incense, which is, like, a really big deal. It's actually, like, a, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of um, experience, 
Uh, let me, I'm going to actually start in verse 8, which I don't think I put in. So just listen until I get to verse 11. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So it's, it is Zechariah's turn uh, and there's this whole kind of system that has been put in place by actually King, King David where certain priests get to go in and do these things um, at a given time. So the priests, they were divided into like these 24 sections or courses by King David. Um, and the order uh, of, I think it's Abijah, to which Zacharias belonged, was eighth in line. And I know, okay, just stick with me for a second because um, it'll make more sense. But what, how it would work is each course would be called to minister in the temple um, on only two occasions during the entire year. Um, and each occasion lasted one week. And so there was nearly a thousand priests in these orders so it, it's evident that like entering these holy places, like with a thousand priests, and there was an order to when it happened, like uh, it was quite possibly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It very well likely was. So here Zechariah had waited, and the lot had fallen to him. It's his turn, and this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity um, is before him where he gets to go in and stir the incense. And so what he would do is he would choose two, two friends um, to assist him. One would go in and remove the ashes from the, the previous uh, burning. And then the second would go in and place new uh, burning coals on the altar. And then Zechariah would enter the holy place alone by himself with this gold censer. And um, he would spread the incense over the coals. And so as this happened and as the incense um, sort of created a fragrance and a cloud. There would be prayers. He would pray, and then the worshipers would gather outside to pray. It's just like this really symbolic, uh, worshipful moment for the Jewish people. And like, it, here is, it's Zachariah's moment. He gets invited into it, and it says this. So he's, he's in there. Uh, verse, verse 10, when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. This doesn't happen, okay? It's not like every time you go in, an angel's there. Like, this is a very rare moment. Very few people get into the presence of an angel. And it's, it's interesting because every time it happens, people freak out. Which, I mean, I, sometimes I go, man, I just want an angel to show up in, like when I'm praying and it'd be like, oh, I would just be filled with so much awe and I, you know, I'd be like, wow, God's responding. I, I think literally, you know, you'd probably freak out. And everybody freaks out because almost every time the angels have to say, relax, it's okay. When Zechariah saw him, verse 12, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 
He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is, this is, a, this is John the Baptist who we're talking about here. He is going to go prepare a way for Christ, to ready the people's hearts for the message of Jesus Christ. And if we go back, like the, the text tells us that um, Zechariah and Elizabeth have prayed for a child. And because the text says that they're later in their years, it's very likely that we're talking about decades. We're talking about decades old kind of prayers and I wonder if they're still praying or if time and the, and the continued silence of God or the, the no of God had weakened their faith. You know, I think as, as a follower of Christ myself, as a pastor, um, it's really hard when we don't understand why God isn't doing what we've asked him to do. Or God's allowed things to happen in our lives that hurt. It's really difficult when you've prayed time and time again, maybe for years, maybe for decades, and it just feels like God isn't there. God isn't answering. God doesn't care. You know, one of the things we're seeing um, and I don't think this is actually new, but we've put new language to it, is we're, we're seeing this thing called deconstruction. Everyone, you know, people are deconstructing their faith. And um, again, I don't think that that's, that's new. It's just a new word for people de- like sort of struggling with their faith. And almost always it's like, uh, it's stories, sad stories of things happening in people's lives where they just cannot reconcile what's happened, and, and like where God is or isn't in, in that all. And so what have inevitably happens is hard things happen, um, really sad, hurtful things happen, and we just, we begin to question, why God? Why would a loving God allow this? Why, like, why would a loving God um, not say yes to this? Maybe, well, maybe there isn't a God. I mean, if there isn't a God, it fixes the problem right away. Because if there isn't a God, then it's just, then of course this stuff happens. Of course this stuff can happen. And, and sadly, what we're seeing is a lot of people, that, like, we want answers. Why? You know, you see these, like, these tragic school shootings, and always the, the first questions that we're asking ourselves is why, and we want to know why. Like, what compels an individual to do that? Like, we are drawn to want to know the answers to these questions of, like, things that are hard and don't make sense. Like, we want answers. And so if we, if we just, in our, in our pain and in our suffering, the easiest answer is, well, God doesn't exist. Because a loving God would never allow any of this. And so if God doesn't exist, then it is a free-for-all. 
Anything can happen. There's no purpose behind it. Your suffering is just, it's, it's a roll of the dice. Your life is a roll of the dice. And some people, they get, they, you know, some people get good lives, easy lives, blessed lives, and others don't. Others get really difficult lives or, or hurtful lives. It's just a free-for-all. But it does answer, like, that question. Why evil and suffering? Well, if there isn't a God, then it's survival of the fittest. But what if there's, what if God does exist? And what if there's a much messier answer that leaves a lot of room for faith? Zechariah, I mean, we would expect him to be confident. And, and like, here's a man who comes from this incredible lineage. His wife comes from an incredible lineage. Like, he's a priest. Like, he should have it all together. He should, he should you know what he should have done when the angels showed up? He should have been like, yeah. Of course, where have you been? I've been waiting. Finally, you showed up. Instead, he's, he's scared and, and the, the angel says, look, we've heard your prayers, probably your decade-old prayers, and your wife is going to have a child in her old age, and he is going to be a forerunner for, for the Messiah. Now, how, does it, how do you expect a man like Zechariah to respond to that? Yeah, of course. That's awesome. Sweet. Let's go. No. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. It's not like, yes, we're going to be, I'm going to be a dad. My son's going to be like pretty epic. <laughs> he can't have a glass of wine, but that's okay. Like he's still going to be pretty epic. Like, oh, of course, like, you know, God's blessed us and all the, all the, all the, my life I've put into ministry and I've, I've done everything and I've obeyed and finally I'm getting that, that blessing. Like, he goes, are you, like, in essence, are you kidding me? How can I be sure of this? Uh, there's an angel right here who told you. That's how you can be sure. See, what we see is Zechariah is not a superhero. When I hear him say, how can I know this? Um, it seems like Zechariah is overcome with doubt in that moment. Not in faith, not in certainty. He had probably a lot of reasons to, have a, to stand tall on the faith of God. Yet it is in this moment where we see Zechariah's legs begin to wobble. Years of, I wonder if years of hoping and praying and waiting had weakened his faith. You know, I, there's two things that I've prayed a long time for. And I'm just going to be honest, it's, it's weakened my faith. I cannot make sense of why God will not respond. Why God will not say yes. 
and years of praying um, has made it difficult for me. In fact, I do what I think a lot of guys we do with stuff. I, I've taken it and I've sort of put it in a box and I've set it aside and it's, I'm not going to go there anymore then. Fine. I'm not going to walk away from the faith, but obviously, like, I'm not, I just don't even want to think about it. I don't want to pray about it. I don't even want to hear this message, like, keep going, keep praying, like, God is faithful, he's going to provide, he's going to do it. No, don't, don't even preach that to me. I'm just being honest. I got into this text and I said, I don't want to hear it. I, can I move on to the next story? Because this stuff over here, I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and nothing has happened. Nothing has changed. I am done then with that. Fine. You win. I don't know why. But I'm not going to go there anymore because it's too painful. It's too painful to wait. It's too painful to hear no. It's too painful to hear nothing but silence there. Any of you feel that way with stuff? You're not alone. And I'm not supposed to because I'm a pastor. But I'm, honestly, you're not alone. I'm there with you. But here is the amazing message of the story of Zechariah. The angel ends up, let me, let me go. The angel goes, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So he, he, he says, look, you didn't listen to me, so you're not gonna be able to talk, which is actually, you might go, is, it, is he like cursing him? No, it's actually like a cool sign that he's giving to, to Zechariah and others. Um, but then, like, how does that verse end? With, this is still going to come true at, at its appointed time. Like, your weak faith, Zechariah, is not going to get in the way of the power of God. Your weak faith is not going to get, get, get in the way of God's story being written. Your weak faith, look, your son is going to be born. He's the forerunner. He's going to be John the Baptist. Like, it's happening despite the weakness of your faith. Your weak faith cannot stop the power of God. And I, I, I needed to hear this. I did not want to go there because for me and these things that I packaged away, like the faith is weak here, I'll admit it. And I don't know why, but I'm not going to pretend you know, like, to, 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 like, and I'm not going to coddle myself and go, well, in God's timing, I'm going to say all the Christian stuff. Like, that's not going to help me right now, and I'm certainly not going to walk away from the faith. I have too much invested to say, oh, because God won't give me what I want, I'm done with him? No, I'm not giving up on that either. And I get into this text this week, and I see something that's like, look, it is not the power of your faith it is not the depth of your faith. It is the object of your faith. And nothing will get in the way in the plans of Christ, regardless of what makes sense to me or what doesn't make sense to me. 
And this is what every single one of you who calls yourself a Christian, well, well, this is going to happen in your life if it hasn't already. Things and circumstances are going to happen in your life that are going to test your faith. And it, literally, you're going to be, should I keep going? Can I, like, can I keep going? Can I really continue to trust God and go after God in all of this? And, and inevitably, these are these moments where it's like, am I all in or not? Am I willing by, to walk by faith, not by sight? Because what I'm seeing now doesn't make sense. What I'm seeing right now hurts and it's painful. Zechariah is this amazing story, this amazing uh, Christmas story that a weak faith did not weaken the power of God. And that is true for you and it's true for me. And God's plans are going to come to fruition. I, get, I got a note from my friend Chad. He writes me notes. And... Uh, there was one that he gave me last week, and I had forgotten it in the sound booth. And I hadn't read it last week. And so I saw it when I first got in here this morning. My name was on it. And I opened it up, and I read it. And it, it said, very simply, don't give up. It'll all be worth it. I don't know why God is saying no to this stuff in my box here, my boxes. But that word I needed to hear, don't give up. It'll all be worth it. And when I stand before God, I think there will be a bigger picture that I'm able to see of why. Why did I make you wait? Why did I say no? You know, you look at the bigger picture here, the bigger story. You know, Mary is told she's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It creates all sorts of problems for a young teenage girl, as you can imagine. Her cousin is Elizabeth. And when she goes, she decides, I need to get out of here because the town, there's murmurs around the town. Very, I mean, the town could literally put her on trial and murder her for committing adultery um, and cheating on Joseph. Um, she decides to leave and go stay with Elizabeth. When she goes and visits Elizabeth, Elizabeth has John in her belly, and the Bible says he leaped, like the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth then tells Mary all of, the, all of the, what has happened with Zechariah. So it is through all of this that, yes, like, like uh, Zechariah is going to become a father. Cool. They've been waiting, and God, like God's giving them, and, and Elizabeth's going to be a, a mother. Cool. But there's something much bigger than just those older two becoming parents. Like, here, John the Baptist is going to come prepare the way, but in this moment, here's this young, probably terrified teenage girl who doesn't know what to do. Her life, like, she doesn't know if she's going to lose her life. She's probably filled with fear, filled with doubt, and she comes, and Elizabeth just tells her this story. And the, the, the cousins in the womb are like moving and it's like this moment, like the bigger picture, the bigger story is part of this story was to inspire faith and confidence in a young teenage girl named Mary to keep going. Don't give up. Live by faith, not by sight. And you are going to see the most beautiful, powerful thing happen in the history of the world. And so I can't tell you why God is saying no. 
And I can't tell you why God allows things ter- you know, to happen in our world that hurt us and, and, and uh, bring pain. But what I can see in the Bible is there's a much bigger picture that we can't always see. And we've got to cling to that and recognize that God knows what he's doing. And regardless of how you feel about it, regardless of the strength of your faith, your weak faith cannot get in the way of God's power and his story playing out in your life. And so keep going. Keep praying. You know what I realized in this text, what I have to keep doing, is I, gotta, I get to take these two things out of their boxes, and I got to get on my knees, and I got to pray about it. Just keep praying. Keep praying. Keep following. Get on with it. Keep going. Don't give up. Doesn't make sense? Yep, keep going. Keep following Christ. Keep going to him in prayer. You know, if you were here on our open mic, you heard the story, the adoption story. Incredible. There is a story of like decades old prayer of an individual who is unwilling to give up and go, God said this and I'm going to keep going. You need to go back and watch that. We need to get that story on video. It's unbelievable and such an inspiration, I think, for some of us who are waiting on God. And at the end of time, it will be worth it. But Christmas is, in essence, part of the story. And I think what Luke is saying to Theopolis is, look, you're not alone in your doubts. Recognize that following Jesus doesn't mean we get all the answers and that it's going to be easy. It, honestly, it's going to be harder. But it's worth it. And keep your eyes fixed on Christ, don't give up. And tell yourself every day, nothing can get in the way of God's plan. Nothing. It will come to fruition. But my job is to pray, to follow, to obey, and to keep going. So you're not alone. And that's why the church is meant to do this together. It's meant why we're, the, we're called to be a family to keep each other going. So that's what I'll leave you with. Keep going. Keep praying. Don't give up. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And I pray, God, that you would build in us a faithfulness um, where we're willing to, to keep praying, to keep pursuing, to keep obeying, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what makes sense in our, in, in our minds, our brains, and regardless of how long we've been doing it. Give us an inner fortitude and strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to keep going, to keep surrendering, to keep obeying, to keep trusting, to keep praying. Because we do believe by faith that your story is better and it will come to fruition regardless of how we feel, regardless of how strong we are or weak we are. We cannot get in the way of the plans of God. And for that, I'm thankful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.